Welcome in to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. And men, as always, I want to begin by thanking you for checking out today's podcast episode. Now, whether you're a faithful subscriber, which I appreciate, or you've been gone for a minute, or you're just checking out the show, I want to say welcome. I'm glad you're here. When you get the opportunity, visit the website, thepursuitofmanliness.com. You can find this podcast episode, the whole catalog of previous episodes. You can see the suggested reading, get in contact with the show, etc. cetera. Uh, but as always right now, I want to focus in on the amount of time we have left to register for our fall men's retreat, which is September 29th and 30th in Indianapolis. However, the deadline to sign up is Sunday, September 10th, which is about 18 days away. However, we only have 25 spots left. So on Sunday, September 10th. If we have 25 spots, we got 25 spots. If we don't by then, then the registration will already be closed because that is the number we can take on site. We talked last year at the end about possibly moving it somewhere else, and and that may happen down the road. Uh, but right now, I think it's our location, which is the church where I serve and the property that's, that's connected to it. Uh, it just works well for us. It's not too big. As you can tell, we can hold 200 people. That's what we could feed 200 people. And so whether you camp out on site or you stay in a hotel, Airbnb, whatever, that, that that's your call. But on site, we could take 200 guys. I think last year we were at, right at 195. So just letting you know, I know I've had some, some people reach out. I just got a message a minute ago about the retreat. So if you're thinking about it, considering it, whatever, just trying to give you a, a clear picture of where we are currently at and then one more thing before I get into the conversation today, uh, we, I, uh, a couple weeks ago, changed the uh, closed Facebook group name from the Pursuit of Manliness, because there's a page called that, to a quiet life community. And I'll tell you what, the Almighty has just sent another herd of humans to that community, and the growth just continues. And what the goal is to continue to refine what that community is about. It can't be another place to post the same stuff. So we're trying to really drive some conversation. We're trying to be more intentional with the post. There's going to be some something that happens in September. We're going to try to, again, get some guys on the same page and some things in the future. So if you're on Facebook and you're not in that group, I'd love for you to be a part of it. You know, if you want, you can just you search the pursuit of manliness, it will come up because according to Facebook, that's still what it is. That's still the, uh, what do you call that? URL. So if you look in the show notes, the URL it's, it's still that. So you can go there, find that, I want you to know that's what it is. I would love for you to be a part of it. I don't want you to poach, which means like share your links, your brand, what you make, what you do. No, we're not doing that. Uh, but start conversations. There are guys literally all across the globe um, in this community. And a lot of them are, are, are serious about trying to be men of God and want to build some relationships. And so uh, starting to do some posts where we, we just target a certain area. Right now it's California. Hey, if you're in California, let us know you're in this group. Let us know you're in the community. We're doing the same thing on Instagram, so check those things out. Let's get into the conversation. It only took me three minutes and 20 seconds to get this far. We're talking about giving today. I want to talk about generous giving today, specifically to the Lord, to your church, and to others. Now, <clears throat> I know I lost some guys with the title. That's okay. I, I, I know, you know, anytime you talk about giving, especially in a Christian setting, there's always the, oh, oh. listen, if you read the book, you're going to realize giving is through every single page of it from God giving everything that we have to us giving back to him or people who tried to withhold from God, people who've been blessed by other people. And then in turn, you can bless someone else and, and, and so on. And so what I want to do 
is, and I know you, it's hard, vis, you know, as you're listening to this audibly, but I want you to create kind of this isosceles triangle in, in your head. Okay. This kind of this pyramid that the top, the distance from the top to the sides is a lot longer than from the sides to each other. Okay. So maybe I lost you. Maybe I didn't, but first and foremost, the top of this pyramid, the top of this isosceles triangle is God, God blessing us. The Bible's filled with God blessing people from creation to covenants, to children, to, to lands, and then ultimately to the Messiah. God is constantly giving. And we're constantly saying, how much do I have to give back? So when we think about giving, I want you to think of two different pools of money here, if you will. Okay, Two different pools of money. The first is my tithe. I want to give my tithe to my local church. You need a local church. Yes, even you need a local church. The guy that just said he didn't. You need a local church. That's where I tithe. I give back to that, back to that place. I, I trust the, the leadership there that they're going to do with it, what, what they say they're going to do with it, or whatever we voted on in the church meeting, or whatever however your thing works. I tithe to my local church. And then my offerings, my, my giving and my offerings that are above and beyond the tithe, that's where I give to other ministries. I give to um, like my kid's school. I give to uh, people. You know, a lot of times anonymously, just give them something, send them something like, hey, I, I know there's a need, whatever, uh, however you want to do that. But it, it, we don't, t- I don't take my tithe and then give to the people at school and say, well, that's where I chose to do my, use my tithe this month. Don't cheat God. Okay. Don't, don't cheat God. Don't cheat the bride. Don't cheat the bride of Christ for that, that guy who's got a secret bank account somewhere that you don't tell your bride, uh, when that comes to light, and it will, whether you're in the grave or in a recliner, one or the other, uh, it's not going to go well for you. Well, how do you think it goes when you cheat God? Because he knows it's all his. I love Genesis 15 where Abram's having a rough day, and he's like, man, you keep telling me these promises, but I don't have a child. I don't have any evidence that anyone after me, born from me, is going to receive uh, this inheritance that, that you have given me. And God tells him essentially, go outside, go for a walk, look at the stars and count them. If you can count them, that is what your off- offspring is going to be. Now, you know as well as I do, that night was probably the starriest night that Abram has ever seen in his life. Abram looked, took one look upstairs and went, uh-uh, can't count that. I promise you this, when you get to the end of your life, and if you're, on, if you're an honest man, you could say it right now, when you get to the end of your life and you look at the ledger of the deposits and withdrawals when it comes to financial gifts and how God has blessed you in some way, I guarantee the deposits will far exceed the withdrawals. What God has given you will far exceed anything that you have even tried to give back to him or that you have given to other people, including your local church. Philippians 4.19, And God, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In Jesus alone, like that, like that should be sufficient. I know, but we like things, and I like new things, and I like nice things, and I want the latest things, and if my neighbor has a thing, and then I want the thing, and then, it, you know, right, it, that's, that's how we get ourselves in trouble. So I will tell you right now, you need to set a budget. I know it's not fun, but you're not 12. So you need to set a budget. You need to work from that. And when you work from a budget, especially the first couple months, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. And you're going to get tired of talking about money, but that's just the way it is. You need to set a budget. You need to work from that budget. And God needs to be the first one to get the cut from that budget. A tenth, at least a 10%. That's, that's the starting point, a tenth. Well, do you want to argue that? Take it up with the Lord. Whether that really means 10% or not, gross or net, do I have to eat my garage sale money, my birthday money? Do I have to do I? You're asking the wrong question and you're asking the wrong guy. 
You take it up with the Lord and see what he says. This isn't a negotiation where you write a number on a napkin, slide over to the Lord and say, I'm thinking about giving you this much. What is that? How's that? How's that hit you? Don't do that. He'll blow that napkin up. Don't, don't do that. Okay. But I would take it to the Lord and say, I want to be faithful in my giving. I want to be generous in my giving. What are you asking me to give? I'll say this too before we get too far into this. You know, we talk about the f- framework of biblical manhood. Okay? If you if you resolve in your mind and in your heart and in your home and in your wallet that I'm going to give faithfully to the Lord, not under compulsion, not begrudgingly, not with a heavy sigh or anything like that. I'm just going to give it to the Lord because that's His. And then I'm going to try to bless some other people just because, well, that's what I, I could or should do. I, I think two, maybe three of those, the, that framework starts to get resolved. You get your giving right there within that framework. One would be spiritually sound. You and the Lord, you're in a good place. So when the Lord stretches you and says, I want you to give a little more, I want you to give a little bit more, a little bit more, you're like, we're already walking this road together. For some of you right now, just the idea of talking about giving has really ruffled your feather. That's, that's, a, that's a you problem. That's a you problem. You, you need to read the book. And you read the Bible and you'll say, Boy, it is blessed to give, but maybe that wasn't your upbringing, or maybe you didn't have a lot, or maybe you still don't have a lot. Listen, I've walked those roads. I I totally understand that. I can be an incredibly selfish, misery, is that a word, miser? I'm a miser, person. So what I've learned is give it away quickly. So with our tithe, right at the top, he doesn't get in the middle. He doesn't get a tip jar at the end. God gets the top with the giving Give it away quickly and give it away anonymously. That'll resolve that. I think it makes you mentally stronger. Again, because you're just walking with the Lord. You're going to think different. You're not going to look at your money as I have to hold on to this like grim death or, oh, that preacher starts talking about money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start skipping for a few weeks. Now, I know some guys, that's all they talk about. That's a different issue. But just in general, when people start talking about money, I don't get my feather ruffle, feathers ruffled anymore. You know why? Because I'm giving to the Lord. And you can try to shake me down for more, or you can try to, you know, pass the plate a third time because we need to. I'm given to the Lord. The Lord and I have already resolved this. It's not me holding on to it like, oh, but if God says, I'd throw a little bit more in there, I'm going to throw a little bit more in there. And I think the relational aspect too is different. I mean, I, that's probably 2.5, but between you and your pastor, you and myself, or whoever else you think is trying to shake you down for money, it's you just you, you put that aside and say this is this is my play money. This is the money I'm going to bless other people with. God got his his chunk and he'll get more chunks if that's what he wants. But he's going to get his. I want to make sure I give to the kingdom. I'm giving to the church, and then everything else I'm gonna I'm gonna bless somebody else. If you're starting to work from a budget, you may not have that extra play money to bless other people right now. But you should give it to God first. Don't, again, don't short him. So first and foremost, no question, God is the great initiator of giving. You know, the reap what you sow thing, right? Sometimes God blesses us instantly. Sometimes he blesses us anonymously. We don't know where it came from. Sometimes it takes years to, to see that, that blessing or to see, you know, that harvest of what you've been sowing into <clears throat> your kids, right? Like, when am I getting a return on that investment? Yeah, on the other side of eternity, when they get to heaven, maybe that's what it is right? They're not going to repay you. You can guilt them all you want. They're not repaying you. They can't. They don't have the means to do it. But I do say with that, well, like when you think about your kids, like we have our, like two of our kids are working and from the earliest of day, days, they have learned to parse their money. So you get paid, you get hundred percent. Okay. 10 goes to God. What does that leave you with? 90% jackpot. Nope. We're taking 45% of that. We're going to put that in savings. 
I know, sad face. I know, you could have bought those shoes a lot quicker. And 45%, you can do whatever you want. You know what that teaches them? Delayed gratification. We don't like that. You don't like that. I like to know I can order on Amazon and by 4 a.m. they'll drop the package on my porch and I can have what I want. We don't like delayed gratification. That's how we get in the problem we're in. And when you blow money and you waste money, you don't want to feel guilty about what you did with your money. So we make sure first and foremost we understand that whatever we do have, jobs, money, whatever, it comes from the Lord. Oh, I can get a second job, third job, four. you can work four jobs if you want. But whatever I do have, it's because God allows it to happen. And then, the, so that came to you. And then you get to bless other people. Again, I think it's twofold. You bless your church. I don't walk around my church going, you are blessed that I tithed. Do I get my name on this, this pew because I'm a giver? I've met people through the years. I don't know if I've ever had anyone tell me this personally, but I know through the years certain people who said, you know, they'll stop giving because they don't like the church, what the church is doing. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't punish God on that one. The church is made up of flawed, fallible people, sure, if there's embezzlement going on or whatever, but if they got new carpet and you didn't think they need a new carpet, that that's a you thing, right? Like, they don't get to come over and vote on how you spend your money in your house. And if you get a vote, I know it's not like, you know, the local, what would you call that? Like, union workers or whatever, you get your one vote, and I got my vote. Okay, that's great. But at the end of the day, you're going to trust the leadership that they're not going to waste the money. And hopefully they are fairly transparent. I don't think they need to tell you everything, but they could tell you some things. Some churches are not transparent at all. That's usually a sign. It's not good. We try to be transparent. I think sometimes we're too transparent personally, but we try to. And yes, you're going to field questions. And yes, somebody's going to think they're going to stump you or that, you know, they're going to, you know, don't dare let the pastor roll up in a new car or have a, you know, nice suit. Just because your pastor has a new car, nice suit, whatever, doesn't mean he's stealing money. You don't know what he's doing with it. Shoot, there there were times, especially in the early days of life and ministry, we like my father-in-law gave us money to live on, right? Or someone gave me an envelope to buy tires. I didn't have no money for tires, but if I roll in my junk car with new tires, someone go, oh, Jared, you got new tires. Yeah, well, I saw his budget's down $500 this month. Maybe he used that to buy. No, somebody gave me an envelope with money. What I wanted to do was blow it on something fun. Let's go to a ball game or something. No, let's buy tires. That's what we need to do. We're trying to be responsible. So then you get to give to other people. Giving can be instant. This is It's a lot quicker this way. God has given it to us. Sometimes it's through dollars. Sometimes it's just random blessings. If you give someone $50, you're probably not going to go home, put your hand in your pocket and find 50, hand in your jacket and find 50 more dollars. God doesn't work like that. What he gives you can be spiritual. It can be financial. It might be relational, whatever. But the distance between each individual person and the church is going to vary. So you give directly to your church. That's what you should do. So the impact to your church and to that neighbor, your neighbor needs a new bike. Well, don't ring your church up and go, well, my neighbor needs a new bike. Man, you get the, you go find it. You track down the bike. They have no context of your neighbor or the bike or the issue or whatever. Like it, it's, you get to do that. You get to be the church. God has strategically placed us in positions where we can give generously and help other people. And we, when we do that, we get and they get a glimpse of God. We get a glimpse into how God feels when he gets to bless us when we don't know where it comes from or when it's you know unexpected. And they get a glimpse of being blessed by someone. And you don't have to give them a gospel track. You don't got to preach to them. But I mean, if you, if you want to, hey, whatever. But uh, we understand 
that God has blessed us, so in turn we can bless other people. Again, that isosceles triangle, the distance from God to us is great because sometimes those blessings take a long time, but we can bless someone else almost instantly, almost instantly. And again, teach yourself that discipline to live within your budget, to live within your means, to not lay around and wait for your hand or wait for your handout. I've said many, many times, there's times I've worked two jobs, three jobs, three and a half jobs. We told our kids, like when you know, we were going to school, we both worked, and here's what we did. We're not trying to make them feel bad. We're just saying, sometimes you got to work for things. Sometimes you have to exert more effort in different seasons than others. If you're a guy, I, I was talking to my daughter and her, or I think it was her boyfriend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's the two of them. And they're talking about you know money and, and different things. And you know if, if the woman makes more, the woman can absolutely make more. There's nothing wrong with the woman making more. Just make sure you're making enough. Don't lay around and go, got myself a sugar mama. I can just take it easy now. Don't do that. Nothing good is ever going to come from that. Okay, so God has blessed you. You then in turn get to bless other people. I'll go back to this. I'm going to strongly encourage you, tithe to your church. Maybe you've never done it. It's not a tip jar. You throw a few bucks in there and like the sermon, didn't like it, whatever. What would happen if you gave at least a tenth to the Lord? What's, what's your fear? That you might not have enough money? That God's not going to fulfill a promise? That your church is going to waste the money in some way? Or it's going to pay for a ministry that you don't like or whatever? Give it to the Lord and let him do with it what he's going to do with it. And then look for ways that you can bless someone else. It might be something as small as, you know, giving them five bucks. I don't know. You know, we like to pay it forward and stuff, you know, but... I don't mean this wrong. You can pay it forward all you want, but those people already had some money to go through the drive-thru. They were planning on paying it anyways. So maybe you pay it to someone who doesn't have it. Or I'd like to, especially around November, December, like if there's a kid, like in my kid's school or someone I hear of that, man, their family doesn't have no money, whatever. I'm going to get a gift card and I'm going to find a way that someone else is going to get it to them and they have no idea where it came from. That's what I want to do. I don't want, I don't, especially kids, I don't want them to go without so you want to make sure that the, the funnel is right. You want to make sure that there's credibility in the person asking. No, if you go to our closed group and ask for money, we will not allow it. Okay. You can quote this podcast, whatever. That's not the place for it. The place that you need to go, people face to face. You need to go to your local church. You need to go to your neighbor, things of that nature. Okay. That, that's what we need to do. And then ultimately the church then sows back to God. We get to be kingdom workers. Again, that distance from church to God is the same distance as God to the person. So that's the triangle, okay? Church and person, that gap is a lot closer because you can do it instantly. You can do it right now. You could, you could be listening to this on the way to your church to give your, local, your, your tithe for the month or week or however you do it. But how we serve back to God, we're ne- we may never know how that's going to be paid back. We support ministries and missions and families and different things in the area. We'll never see a return on that. We'll never see that person come back in and go, you got maybe, but probably not. But we may see it on the other side of eternity. Doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. We're not going to see that return instantly like you do with, um, you know, again, going across the street to your neighbor or however you, you know, choose to do that. Uh, I, I just think that the church is supposed to be like an image of what the nation of Israel was supposed to be, okay? The nation of Israel was supposed to be an example of God's people and how they lived and functioned so that the rest of the world got that image and said, they're, they're different. I want to know why. What was the problem? The nation of Israel kept looking over their fence at the neighbors and said, 
Wait, what festival is that? How many wives and girlfriends do you get to have? What are you doing on the weekends? So you're not offering sacrifices to who? Now, what are you doing? So they, what they started to do was look at everybody else and said, I want that. I want that. One of the saddest portions of Scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7, where Samuel is trying and trying and trying, and God finally says, Samuel, don't take it personal. They're not rejecting you. They've rejected me. Oh, it's tragic. And that's what happens. We, we get hung up on what everybody else is doing. Everybody else got to take their family on this kind of trip, whatever. I mean, I've sat with guys who they'll, they'll moan about what they don't get to do, and I just want to do this, and I just want new shoes or new golf clubs. Or I'm thinking, you're not 12, man. Like at the end of your life, like is that going to be a thing? Is that what you want to be known for? We get hung up on what everybody else has. Now listen, I don't get caught up on having to have all the things, but there are a few things I really like to have. And when I, and those things, I want name brand and I want it right. Everything else, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter to me. But those few things, and so if there's something new that comes out or I see it or something, I can find a way to justify it. I'll tell you this, the uh, Sunday, Sunday, August 20th, we are England football fans. So that's England soccer, okay? That's the country England and, and the soccer game. And most of you guys are like, I don't understand. You're American. I know. I'm not going to get into it right now. But that's who we support. We support them a long time, long time. And it has become a family affair. So the Women's World Cup just got over. You're like, you lost me. I understand. Women's World Cup, we support England. They've had a great run. They're having a great run. they got great coach, great players, whatever. We got up. It's some crazy early hours, different times to watch these matches. Um, my son and my, one of my daughters get up and they watch it, and it's a big deal to us. And they lost in the final. Now, they were down 1-0, 1-0, forgive me, and they're 1-0. And towards the end of the match, I thought, if they tie this up, they're going to go to overtime, which is two 15-minute periods. If they're still tied up, they're going to go to penalty kicks, which is ridiculous. And I thought, if they tie this up, I have to leave any minute now and go to church. Like, I had to preach that day. And I thought to myself, if they do, I am going to buy YouTube TV so I can download it to my phone, so I can have it going as I drive to the church. You know all the yellow and red flags that just came up from that statement? Um, I'm going to pay $70 for a, a 30 minutes that I want to see. I'm going to have a game going on my phone as I'm driving to the church. I'll probably have it going in my office somewhere. So I, if, it, if it gets to that point, well, God took care of that problem. They lost one nothing. But do you see how irrational that is? Now, in a few weeks, if something comes up and it costs me $70, I might complain about it. Are you kidding me? I got to pay $70 for my kid's registration for, you know, whatever. But I just was going to justify it at, you know, 730 in the morning on a Sunday. That's what we can do. We begin to justify things because we look around and say, well, they got it or I want it or I deserve it. This is why I go back to my original point. Make sure you understand where the blessings come from and that you're giving them directly back to God first and foremost. Because if you don't, it would be easy to take that $70 off my tithe because God understands it's not a big deal and then use it towards YouTube TV, which was so ridiculous. We get to be an image bearer of God's blessings here on earth as we serve others and as the church ultimately gets to bless God and make him known through what they do. And not only that, we get to see God at work because he has said, 
listen, bring it into the storehouse. I know that was a one-time promise to a one-time group of people, but I don't think I don't think God's pulled away the significance of us bringing the full tithe into the storehouse and allowing him to do with it what only he's going to do. Things cost money. There's expenses in your life. There's expenses in the church. There's expenses sometimes you know about and you don't know about, your neighbor or whatever. If we're giving faithfully to God, I just believe like the Acts model, you'll start to see more ways that you could give faithfully to God. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Well, you don't understand the Lord. Because as I've been able to, I have found great joy in being able to bless somebody in some way, especially when it was unexpected. I don't need any credit for it. I don't need anyone to send me a thank you card. I don't need none of that. It's just a blessing to say, here's something, do something with it. How much more so can the church? There's certain parts of the world that do not have the infrastructure that the United States of America has. When we have weather and stuff that comes, typically we have systems and drainage and things to make it go where it needs to go. Yes, there are times where that doesn't always take place or there's a hindrance, but overall we have an infrastructure in place that things continue to function without too great of a hindrance. The church is the same way. When they have created the appropriate infrastructure, things are able to function. Pastors get paid. Ministries are funded. Missionaries get what they need. Local missions get what they need. Everybody kind of gets that touch because the infrastructure is in place. I'm going to end with this. We were able to, years ago, renovate our worship center and some things in our building because there was a couple that I personally had never met who left in their will uh, three different, um, not ministries. I think we were the only Christian one. There was two others. One was like an animal thing. There might have been something else they supported. I never met the people. I only knew their son, and I only knew him briefly. They made a huge kingdom impact on people that are sitting in those chairs. If you come to the retreat and you sit in a gray chair, that was paid by somebody that I've never met. They left it in their will. They left a large chunk of money that we had no clue about. Nobody in the church knew that they had done this. And they will not get to see the, the blessing of that, again, till the other side of eternity. There have been guys who were sitting in those gray chairs who have responded at the men's retreat to surrender their life to Jesus through baptism. It had nothing to do with the gray chair, okay? They could have done it the same way they could have done it in our burnt orange pews we used to have. They probably could have done it. It's been hard to get out because it was so tight. But see the point? They were able to provide a blessing in some way that probably played a fraction of a part of a guy being there, us able to have that many people in the room, and a guy responds to Jesus, look, man, I'm not trying to make the, the chairs as a salvation piece the point is what a what a blessing that those people gave to people like myself and to you and others and we'll never get to thank them until we get to heaven i think in heaven there might just be a a theater going with all the blessings that we had no idea about the way god blessed us the way that we blessed others the way that others blessed us and the way that the church helped point people to the kingdom of heaven That, that i want to be a part of that right Sometimes it takes minutes to bless. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. Nevertheless, if we get those things right, and remember that framework, spiritually sound, your giving's got to be in there. Mentally strong, oh yeah, it, it's, it's got to be there. That relationally established, again, it doesn't put that angst between you and anyone because you're saying, I'm, I'm honoring God in that. And when God stretches me to honor him more in that, I already be prepared to do so. So men, thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Check out those links and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.